Well, good evening, everyone. Let me add my uh, welcome to the service this evening. Thank you, Chris, for, for leading us. Um, as Chris mentioned, we're continuing our studies in the book of Titus. We are in chapter 2, and it's a day of extremes. We covered four chapters uh, this morning uh, from the book of Exodus. Johnny did a, a, a good job um, navigating through those four chapters. And so we've got five verses this evening, and let's hope I don't make a meal of those five verses. But let's, um, let's read the passage. Uh, Titus chapter 2, uh, verse 11. I'm just going to read the end of chapter uh, verse 10 for connection. So that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Amen. This is God's word. Let's just pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your word. We just ask that you would speak. We pray that your Holy Spirit would um, prepare our hearts to receive and to obey. We ask all this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, the, the heading for our study this evening is um, from verse 10 of, of chapter 2, and it is adorning the gospel, which is really the key theme of chapter 2, adorning the gospel. Now, last weekend, uh, Rebecca and I uh, were in Boston. Um, it was the last of my uh, big birthday celebrations, sad to say. But um, the street outside the hotel... Uh, where we were staying was a long, beautiful avenue, and it was lined with trees on either side. And that avenue became even more spectacular in the evening because at nighttime the trees were adorned with bright lights wrapped around them. And the impact was amazing. The, the beauty of the avenue was accentuated by the lights adorning the trees. If you want to see something similar, you can drive up Queen's Road and you'll see the lights outside um, at the Chester Hotel. I think there's maybe about four or five trees that are... But it's quite, the, it's quite something. Um, now, Titus chapter 2 is all about adorning. Adorning. And Paul's key theme is that Christians should um, adorn the gospel by the way we live. By living godly lives, we show the beauty of the gospel that saved us. Um, how, do, how do we live those kind of adorning lives? Well, key to this are good works. Um, you remember um, Paul's teaching in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, 
Paul writes this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We should live showing good works. Now, Paul makes this very same point in verse 14. Look at verse 14 if you've still got your Bible open. Paul says that Jesus gave himself for us. And he points to two reasons. First of all, to redeem us from all lawlessness. And secondly, he says, to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works, who are eager to do good works. And what we will see in this passage is that good works are the inevitable outworking of the gospel in our lives. Now, Paul weaves this theme throughout chapter 2. Just look at how chapter 2 begins. But as for you, Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Um, You know, it's not just about doctrine, but teach also the lifestyle that goes with the sound doctrine. Look down in verse 7, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. Verse 10, we've just read that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. And verse 14, Christ gave himself to purify for himself a people zealous for good works. And so our lives, our good works are the bright lights on the trees on the avenue. And in this uh, dark world, this dark world of sin, our good works shine, accentuating the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's the big idea in Titus chapter 2. Well, let's look at the passage. Uh, Chapter 2 divides into two sections. Um, They're up on the screen here. Verses 1 to 10, which you covered last week, is all about what a life of good works looks like. How should we live? How should we relate to each other? And um, in a way that adorns the gospel. And um, much of verses 1 to 10 focuses on how we should relate to each other within the church. But then verses 11 to 15, the section that we're looking at tonight, is all about why. Why should we live our lives um, in this way? What motivates us to live this way? Well, Paul gives us the answer in verse 11. The answer is, it is the grace of God. The grace of God motivates us to live this way. The grace of God is why our lives ought to adorn the gospel with good works. Now, we get a good example of this in verses 9, 10, and then into verse 11. Just look at how verse 11 connects back with verse 10. Verse 11 reads, For the grace of God has appeared. Now, for takes us back to verse 10. And verse 10 closes with these words, um, So that in everything... And Paul here is now talking to to bond servants in relation to their masters. For us, that's uh, today's application would be workers in the workplace, how we behave at the workplace, how we relate to our managers, to our bosses. And the connection is this, that, that when it comes to the workplace and how I behave at work, 
and how I relate to my boss, I can behave in such a way that adorns the gospel. And my motivation for living that way, well, it's the grace of God. So that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior, for the grace of God has appeared. That's the theme. Now let's explore the passage. Verses 11 to 15, the grace of God. Paul frames the grace of God around two appearings of Jesus Christ. One from the past and one that is yet future. Verses 11 to 12, we have the appearance of grace. For the grace of God has appeared. It's in the past tense. Has appeared. Then verses 13 to 14, we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. An appearance in glory. An appearance of grace and an appearance in glory. Yet future when Jesus will return for his people and with his people. So we now live in between these two appearings of Jesus. We look back to his first appearing when God became man, when Jesus appeared bringing salvation for all people. That means that God's salvation is publicly offered to all. And this is really the start point for our salvation, the cross, when we come uh, by faith to understand the significance of the cross, that Jesus died for us, for our sins. But then we also look forward to his second appearing, which will bring our salvation to completion. There is still um, an aspect of our salvation which is yet to be completed. And that will be when Jesus returns. And we'll say more about that later on. So firstly, verses 11 to 12, the appearing of grace. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. So we're reminded here that God's grace visibly appeared in Jesus Christ. The coming into the world of Jesus shows us the grace of God. We're also reminded of the purpose of God's grace appearing in Jesus. It was to save us. Jesus appeared bringing salvation for all people. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I say that because good works are not the gospel. Uh, Good works will not save you. Only faith in Jesus Christ can save you. You receive the gospel first, and good works flow out of the gospel. I think that's clear in verse 14. Now look at verse 12. The grace of God not only saves us, it trains us. Training us, says Paul, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. God's grace transforms us. We become new creations in Christ. And grace becomes our teacher. 
as we continue to walk in grace day by day. Now, we learn here in verse 12 that God's grace trains us in two ways. Firstly, in a negative sense, it trains us to renounce ungodliness. Grace teaches us to say no to what is ungodly. It trains us to say no to worldly passions. It trains us to say no to sin. Saying no to selfishness, saying no to covetousness in our lives, saying no uh, to greed, saying no to lust, saying no to pornography, saying no to gossip, to idleness, or whatever manifestation of sin in our life. Grace trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. But then secondly, grace not only trains us to renounce ungodliness, but in a positive aspect, it trains us, it enables us to live a godly life, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Grace transforms us. By grace, we receive God's Holy Spirit, and grace enables us to live lives that adorn the gospel of God. Uh, John Stott makes a really helpful observation on this verse. He says this, Grace not only makes good works possible, but that grace makes them necessary, challenging us to live accordingly. Grace not only makes good works possible, but it makes them necessary. Philippians 1 verse 27, Paul writes, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let's move on to verses 13 to 15. Paul now points to that future appearing of Christ, his appearance in glory, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, the, the, the picture here, the return of Christ in triumph, the return of Christ in victory, it's, it's the picture of the Roman general returning home after victory in battle, returning home in glory to the city of Rome to receive the adulation, to receive the praise, the honor, the glory. And this is what we wait for as Christians. We wait for our blessed hope, the return, the second coming of Jesus Christ when He will appear in glory. But what does John, the apostle, what does John write in 1 John chapter 3? Verse 2, he, he writes this, when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. You know, this is the, the completion of our salvation. When Christ returns, he will bring to completion our salvation. We will be made perfect in Christ. Paul writes in Philippians 1 verse 6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion 
at the day of Jesus Christ. Now we struggle with sin. Every one of us, we struggle with sin on a daily basis. We are saved from sin's penalty. We are saved from the power of sin over us. But we all still struggle with sin on a daily basis. But there is coming a day when we will struggle no more. When Jesus appears in glory for his people. And we will be like him. Complete. Perfect in Christ. What a day that will be. This moment, Paul says, it's the moment that all creation is waiting for. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Isn't that amazing? We are going to share in Christ's glory. What a thought. But just look at how Paul describes Jesus here in verse 13. Don't miss the greatness of who Jesus is. Paul describes him as the great God and Savior. We wait for the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This has been described as one of the most unambiguous declarations in the New Testament of the deity of Jesus Christ. He is our great God and Savior. This is one title. Referring to one person. It's not two people. It's not our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, when he appeared the first time, his appearing in grace, there was a veil over the glory of Jesus Christ. But when he appears the second time, that veil will be lifted And every eye will see the glory of Jesus Christ for who He is, our great God and Savior. We will see Him as He is. But then, in verse 14, Paul now switches gears. From the second appearing, he then takes us back to the first appearing. Verse 14, Paul says, who gave himself for us? That's going back to Christ's appearing in grace, to the cross. To redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. You see, these two appearings are in a sense inseparable because the second appearing is really the culmination of the first And we live in between these two appearings of Jesus. And Paul here is instructing Titus to teach the Christians in Crete and to teach us today to live in a certain way. And we are to live spiritually 
by doing something that is physically impossible. We are to live by looking at opposite directions at the same time. Looking back and looking forward at the same time. Now, I don't know, a lot of us have got used to meetings on Zoom and Teams. And I wonder if you've ever tried to look at yourself on the screen by looking into the camera at the same time. Maybe it's just me, maybe it's just my vanity, but I'm sure we all do it when we go onto a Teams call. You look into the camera and then you look up and your, your eyes have kind of moved because it's impossible to see yourself as the camera sees you. Paul says spiritually that's how we should live. We should live looking back to God's grace appearing in Jesus Christ. We should live looking back to the cross But we should also live looking forward at the same time for our blessed hope, the appearing of Jesus Christ. We should be looking in opposite directions at the same time. Now, I don't want you all going home cross-eyed tonight, trying to look in different directions. But, But you get the point that Paul is trying to make spiritually here. Now, when Paul talks about the second appearing and points us back to the first appearing... Why does he do that? Well, he wants us to see just how amazing, just how great God's grace is. Because just think of how he has described Jesus in verse 13. Just think of who Jesus Christ really is. He is our great God and Savior. Now, what comes next? What did he do? How did he bring salvation for all people? He gave himself for us. Amazing grace. The most utterly selfless act that he could ever do. He gave himself for us. He gave himself to the cross. He gave himself to becoming the sin bearer. He gave himself to bearing the judgment of God upon himself. He gave himself to death. Now listen to what, to why Paul says why he gave himself. There are two reasons that Paul points to in verse 14. He gave himself for us, firstly, to redeem us from all lawlessness or wickedness. It's the picture of um, being purchased out of the slave market of sin. But here's the second reason. He gave himself for us to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Now listen to this. What should characterize His people. They are those who are zealous or eager to do good works. That's what motivates us to live a life that adorns the gospel, a life of good works. Is that true of you? Is that true of me? Do I live for others? Or do I live for self? 
And it brings us back to where we started, that our lives should adorn the gospel, that they should show the beauty of the gospel, that they should show the the wondrous beauty of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And I am motivated to serve. I am motivated to renounce sin in my life. I am motivated to live a self-controlled and godly life characterized by selfless good works because God's grace appeared in Jesus Christ and he gave himself for me. Paul says to Titus in verse 15, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. You know, the people of Crete, as we have seen in this study, they did not have a particularly good reputation. Their lifestyles did not, were not conducive to the gospel. We saw that back in chapter 1, verse 12. We read this, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. I take it he had to leave Crete shortly after writing that. This testimony is true, says Paul. Therefore, rebuke rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Look at verse 16. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. By their works. So Paul encourages Titus to teach them to live lives that have been transformed by God's grace, To live lives that are distinct, lives that are selfless, and lives that adorn the gospel with good works. Paul will uh, return to this theme again in chapter 3. Look at verse 8. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, Titus, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Look at verse 16, chapter 3. Sorry, verse 14. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. So the challenge for me, is that true of my life? Does my life adorn the beauty of of the gospel that saved me? Am I eager to do good works which reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ? We should be the lights that adorn the trees on the avenue in the darkness of the night, that in the darkness of this world that we live in, our lives should shine brightly like those lights, accentuating the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ, our great God and Savior. And maybe if that's not true of us, maybe tonight we need to look back. And we need to look back to the cross and remind ourselves of God's amazing grace where Jesus gave himself for me. And perhaps we've lost sight of the blessed hope that awaits. And we need to look forward to his glorious 
appearing. May God bless his word, shall we pray. Father God, we thank you for your amazing grace. For that grace that appeared visibly in Jesus Christ. We thank you too for that blessed hope that we look forward to. To his appearing in glory. Lord, may you help us by your grace to renounce all ungodliness. Keep us from sin. And help us to live godly and holy lives. May we be zealous to do good works. And may those good works adorn your wonderful gospel. And lead others to see the beauty of Jesus, our great God and Savior. We ask all this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.